0: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Brought to you by the all-new 2014 Toyota Corolla. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and Charles W. Chuck Bryant's with me. Jerry's over there, so it's Stuff You Should Know on a Friday. Yeah, it's a sleepy Friday here. Yeah, there's like two other people in the whole office.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, work-from-home program is great, and I think that apparently 99% of us utilize that on Fridays. Yeah. kind of neat, though. I like it. Oh, it's awesome. It's nice and quiet.
1: Yeah, you know there's companies like that are trying to get people to come back in and not telework?
0: Oh, really? Somehow. Is that a new movement? Mm-hmm. The non-teleworking movement? Mm-hmm. All right. That doesn't make much sense. I'm with you. You're going backwards. Back in time. Yeah. You know? Might
1: as well make them drive to work in a, a
0: horse-drawn carriage. Yeah, and wear a suit and tie on Fridays. Yeah. Uh, good to see you, my friend. Thanks. Good to see you, too, man. Are we going to sail through the galaxy together?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got one. I've All got right. I've got an intro. So about 400 years ago... Okay. There was an astronomer named Johann Kepler. I've heard of him. Uh, Johannes Kepler. Yeah. Take your pick. Is the S silent? Who knows? I think Johannes. <laughs> he founded the Kepler effect. He, yeah. Yeah. So he also had this idea that um, there was a what's called a solar wind, that there was a, a wind that blew through space, and it was evidenced by... The curvature of comet's tails. Huh. You could see them just kind of bending a little bit, and yeah. that was because they were being blown by the wind. So Kepler, as was pretty much the thinking at the time, during the age of exploration when he lived, um, said maybe we should construct some sails, some mighty sails that can survive in outer space, <laughs> and just sail around the, the galaxy. That's pretty forward-thinking. It, it is forward-thinking. And Kepler was wrong about the solar wind. There isn't a wind in space, although there is solar wind now. Yeah. But it's just some uh, ion, positively charged ions that hit the magnetosphere of the Earth and um, create the northern and southern lights. Yeah. It's not like a warm wind literally blowing through space. Exactly. Um, But Kepler's suggestion led to just this huge, incredible irony, wherein – we have figured out now how to sail through space. Yeah. Not using wind, but using sunlight. And it's been done. Yeah, it's been it's been proven
0: now several times. I think in two thousand ten Japan did it. And uh, in two thousand fifteen a, a pretty major one is it gonna set sail. Yeah, the the biggest one for sure. Yeah. It's
1: gonna literally set sail. I because... saw something like thirteen thousand square feet that one is. Mm hmm. Huge. Yeah, it's uh I think Ten city blocks? Wow. No, that was a different one. I'm sorry. Okay. Thirteen thousand square feet, though, is definitely the largest one that will have been put in space. Yeah. There was one that was uh, ten meters square, called the Nano Sail, that was that worked just fine. That NASA launched uh-huh. and was up in orbit for a, a year, and then came back down, and they were able to do all sorts of cool stuff with it. And even before then, apparently the um, the idea of sailing through space, this analogy between Space and the oceans, yeah, um, is is not lost on anybody who's into this whole idea, and um, even before this, the current incarnation, there were uses of solar sails. Like in the seventies, I think, Voyager Two, mm-hmm. um, which is one of those deep space probes, was having trouble with its attitude. It was having attitude problems. Yeah. <laughs> and it needed an adjustment. So the, the controllers down on the ground turned its solar arrays and used, um, them like a solar sail to correct its attitude. Worked. Huh. Um, and then it worked enough that in the seventies, remember Halley's Comet? Sure. Okay. Well, that was 1986 that it came through. Yeah. And we're going to be the, the last generation to be able to see it twice, probably. Uh, when's it coming back? I think it was 60 years or 60 years. Is it? So let's see. That would be 2054. Yeah, it will be like 75. Yeah. We'll make it. We'll see. Um <laughs> the the uh there was a, a whole NASA program that lasted about a year to rendezvous with a um solar sail using a solar sail to rendezvous with Halley's comet. Oh yeah. I don't know what they were going to do when they came upon <laughs> it. Right. But um The idea of a solar sail and the fact that a solar sail will work Uh has been proven and known since at least the 1970s, but only recently have we been launching
0: these things and getting them to do what we want. Which is travel through space without the use of rocket fuel.
1: Yeah, because that's a huge thing, man. Rockets use a lot of fuel, and it's a constraint.
0: It is. In fact, the weight of the space shuttle, the dearly departed space shuttle, uh, was 95% fuel and the way rockets work in general is they expend their, they, they shoot their payload to get them going and then they cruise basically. But that's a lot of payload and a lot of fuel. Right. And, but they, they're not just constantly like have their foot on the accelerator, you know? Cause they can't tote around all that fuel.
1: No, well, even if they did just sit there and, have the gas pedal to the metal yeah. all the way, eventually they're going to run out of fuel, too. So yeah. it's a double constraint. Yeah. You have a finite amount of fuel, and you can't accelerate constantly. Um, plus, there's also a third one, too, that the solar sail pretty much has over a rocket. Um, it can return to Earth, which is called deorbiting. Right. Um, so let's talk about this. Like, what do you need to have a solar sail? Like it, it's a pretty basic, simple... It really idea. is. Yeah. But it's pretty much the future of space travel. We've talked about antimatter spacecraft before. Yeah, that might have been where we'd mentioned this, actually. Okay. Because um, I definitely
0: know we've touched on this once.
1: To put these two together, the solar sail is is definitely the winner. Um, antimatter spacecraft requires us to be able to produce something that w- w- doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Uh, which is an, uh, I can't remember, an antiproton, maybe? Yeah, I can't remember. Um m- this is like, we've got everything we need right
0: now to do this, so let's do it. What we need, continuous force from the sunlight. You need a large mirror that's really thin. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And you need something to launch it. You can't launch these things from the ground. Um, they do great once you get them up there, but you're still going to have to launch it into space.
1: Yeah, even still, it's such a minor constraint, it's, it's ridiculous. I scoff at its inclusion
0: and the reason this works is because light uh it releases electromagnetic radiation in the form of protons mm-hmm. and these protons even though they don't have mass photons what i say protons mm-hmm. these photons even though they don't have mass they have momentum yes and that is that momentum when it hits a solar sail is just like a little wind blowing a sail it transfers its energy yep and it's just it's Almost the same thing as a
1: wind blowing a sail. Yeah. When you put a bunch of them together, it is very much like that, especially if you think of wind as little discrete packets of wind. Yeah. This is little discrete packets of light. And also, Chuck, when a photon hits a reflective surface, a highly reflective surface, it transfers its momentum twice. The first time when it hits it... Yeah. ...pushes it along, and then when it pushes off... To bounce off. ...to reflect, so it transfers momentum twice. So photons hitting a reflective surface in outer space, the vacuum of space where there's no yeah. resistance. That's something that, you know, you can kind of get behind.
0: Yeah, it's significant.
1: And if you look at an individual photon or even, um, sunlight as a whole, it doesn't have a lot of, it doesn't exert a lot of force. It's something like nine newtons per square mile.
0: Yeah, like that's the reason they can't take off from the ground. Um, nine newtons is what you get from the sun to the Earth, right, in in an astronomical unit, right. Ninety three million miles. You, you're going to get about nine newtons of force.
1: That's how much, yeah. By the time they reach this this area, that's how much force they. Have. Yeah,
0: which is the reason why you can't take off from the Earth, right, Be- with a solar sail because you need about one point six seven million newtons of force. For a liftoff of, like, a rocket. <laughs> and so then, they're they're way behind as far as lifting off from the ground.
1: Right. And once in outer space, too, a rocket is clearly superior for quick acceleration because it can produce, like, 2.1 million newtons of thrust. And, again, sunlight produces nine. Yeah. 2.1 million compared to nine. But the big advantage is, again, your solar sail doesn't use any kind of fuel once it's um, unfurled and, and deployed. Yeah. And it can accelerate constantly, and this is the big advantage that it has over rockets.
0: Yeah, well, that flashy rocket might blast off (laughs) and shoot its payload and go zooming through space. The little solar sail is just kind of going about its way, getting Mm -hmm. a little faster, getting a little faster. And eventually that rocket, though, is going to go through all its fuel and the little solar sail is going to catch up to it because exactly. it constantly has its foot on the gas. As
1: a matter of fact, there's a really good um, analogy in here. I guess it's not even an analogy. It's some sort of statement maybe that if we launched a solar sail right now, it would take about eight years for it to catch up to Voyager 1, which is the most distant rocket-based or fuel-based yeah. um, spacecraft in the, in the universe uh-huh. that we've launched. It's toward the edge of the solar system right now. Which, by the way, did you know that all of the images you've seen of the swirling Milky Way galaxy overhead are fake? Uh, I didn't know that. We don't have any way to produce that photograph. We've reached the edge of our solar system. We uh-huh. have no way of looking above the entire galaxy. Right. So all of this is what we surmise the, oh, it the Milky like, Way to look like. Here's our best guess. Yeah, but it's never presented that way. You you think like, well, it's the that's our photos of the Milky Way. I never thought
0: like Right, that's impossible. Exactly.
1: Like we're not even sure how many arms the thing has. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just think it's a little arrogant to to produce pictures like that and <laughs> not say this is an artist rendering. This is an artist
0: rendering. It probably says that at some point, right? I never noticed it. It's like those fake newspaper articles. Where you get to the end of it and this is is an advertisement. (laughs) Right, yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
0: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. That's right, there's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!
1: Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch.
0: All right, so we we were talking about the uh it would take eight years to reach the Voyager,
1: yeah, and that's like one of the big which has been sailing for twenty years,
0: yeah, and that's one of the and that that may be the biggest advantage of a solar sail is deep space exploration because mm-hmm. the problem with anything else is gonna eventually gonna run out of fuel, right? And that's what this one in twenty fifteen I think is set to go deeper into space than anything ever, yeah, if it makes it.
1: And probably pretty quickly. So like the whole advantage of, um, of this is that when the solar sail starts to pick up, let's talk about how fast it moves real quick. You want to, does it haul butt and not at first. So it, it picks up one millimeter per second of movement every second once it starts. So it's moving a millimeter a second at first. Okay. That is not fast at all. No, no. um, by comparison, a, uh, a, a rocket moves about 56 meters a second, something like that. That's meters. Right. Yeah. So it begins very slowly, right? Yes. But then it starts to accelerate. There's constant acceleration. And by the end of a day, uh, it'll have reached 310 kilometers per hour. See? Slow and steady. And it will have already traveled 4,700 4, miles. By the end of 12 days... It will have accelerated to 3,700 kilometers per hour. That's fast. And eventually, Chuck, um, it's going to start traveling about up to 200,000 miles an hour. That's 324,000 kilometers per hour. That's basically you would make it from New York to Los Angeles on the ground in less than a minute. That's pretty quick. It is quick, but get this. They figured out that if you use ground-based light propulsion, which would use a lot of energy mm-hmm. um, to direct the lasers at this thing, yeah, you could get it up to something like 18,000 miles per second, 18,600 miles per second, which is a tenth of the speed of light. And once we do that, we could make it to a nearby star in about 20 years. That's pretty good. We could make it to outer planets within a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah. So the the potential for this thing is enormous because it's proven, it uses no fuel, at least if you're using the sun, and it's the technology that could get us into interstellar travel. That's pretty awesome. So what's it made of?
0: Well, the the sail itself is key because it's got to be super lightweight and super thin. You can't just fly a big mirror up there. Right. Um, What NASA is working with today is something called CP-1. And it is 100 times thinner than a sheet of stationery. Um, that's that, crazy. That is crazy. Uh, I know they worked with mylar for a little while, uh, aluminum reinforced mylar, which if you've ever seen mylar balloons, like that's super thin. Mm-hmm. It's like a foil. Um, and it's one fourth the thickness of a one ply plastic bag. And that was the Cosmos one that used, uh, the mylar sail. Yeah. But basically all these sails are, are reflective, it's got to be reflective because the photon has to bounce off of it. Right. And it's got to be super lightweight and super thin. And like any sail, the larger the better. Yeah. You know, the more photons you can catch, the more speed you're going to get, I guess, eventually.
1: So you said the one that's going up 2015 is called the Solar Sail Demonstrator. It's dubbed the Sun Jammer, <laughs> which is after an Arthur C. Clarke story. Um And that apparently is where solar sailing was, termed, was coined. Arthur C. Clarke? Yeah. Huh. Love that guy. Yeah. But that's the one that's going up in 2015. He was 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it apparently collapses down to something the size of a dishwasher and weighs 110 pounds. You and I could lift that together. Yeah. Um, and I could lift that by myself. They, wow. Well, they, <laughs> they pack the thing into a rocket, shoot it up into space. Uh huh. Once it's in space, in orbit, it gets kind of shot out a little bit. Yeah. And then it, I guess inflates. I believe the booms that hold the sails in place are inflatable, which makes them even more lightweight.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a a kite. Um if you imagine the the supports of a kite were all just inflatable and you would just blow it up, those would those forms would take shape yep. as buttresses and then the sail would unfurl.
1: Right. And then uh, they then you're go sun jamming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Land ho. Um, you talked about lasers. That is one of the, um, I guess co-fuels, even though it's not a fuel that these things might use. Mm-hmm. If there aren't enough photons, maybe they can use lasers to continue to power these. Right. Um, but not for launch though, right? Or could they use them for launch?
1: I, I, it, it looks like they did launch it some, somehow. Uh huh. Uh, I think you could. I think it'd just be slow. Okay. Um, but I think that the probably the most uh, immediately usable method would be to launch it into space and then hit it with a laser once
0: it's in space. Right. I also it's, saw microwave beams have been used, too.
1: Yeah, there's a, a whole other kind of competing microwave sale. But the problem is they have to be a lot bigger because
0: of the, the larger wavelength of a microwave. seems like using all these things in conjunction together is probably a good way to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah microwave juice a little laser juice <laughs> right little photon why juice? not use whatever you can yeah
1: but the yeah the difference between just using sunlight one of the problems with sunlight is you have to be going away from the sun because that's yeah. the way the direction the photons are gonna gonna push oh you. yeah i didn't think about that and um they've pointed out where you can go toward the sun uh-huh but you have to basically go out and then come back around and use the photons to slow you down right um Which just seems kind of...
0: Yeah. I wonder if any of these are ever going to be
1: manned. They um, they could be. If we can figure out how to not crush people in 18,600 miles per second speed.
0: Well, I guess that's true. Because can you slow these things down?
1: I don't know. (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. The other question I had about this that I couldn't find anything on is if these things are a hundredth the the thickness of a sheet of stationery. Yeah. And I've seen gravity. So there's a lot of (laughs) debris in space. Yeah. How are, what's keeping the space debris from just punching holes right in it? Yeah. And just tearing it to shreds.
0: Well, I think it's probably stronger than you would think considering how thin it is. Yeah. Cause it's reinforced, but yeah, you're right. Well, there, there's a gravity, man. And like solid things were just blown to bits. That guy's face. Yeah. Did you like that movie? Yeah, I
1: did. Yeah. I, I
0: didn't, um,
1: I didn't go into it expecting the best movie ever, like a lot of people did. Yeah, and like you it's know, a lot of hype. They'll crank Neil deGrasse Tyson, like oh, we should call <laughs> it angular momentum, not gravity. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, This is a, a blockbuster <laughs> Hollywood movie. You know, it doesn't sure. have to be absolutely perfect. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Yeah, and, and if you're learning your science from Sandra Bullock, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. You should learn it from other people like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Sure. Um, oh, the, the other thing that I saw that solar sails can be easily used for is deorbiting that space debris. Ah. Apparently you can send some stuff up there, have it go into a, uh, um, an orbit. Uh huh. Capture a bunch of the space debris. I guess just basically wrap itself around it and then bring it down. Huh. I think the way that you bring is that it just down. like cleaning up space? Pretty much. Yeah. So which if is it's a danger. It's a big deal. Yeah. That's um, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Uh, and I think the way that you bring solar sails down so easily is because, one, you don't need fuel to bring them down. Yeah. Um, and you can just angle them a certain way so that the sunlight pushes them down toward Earth and they burn up. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty nifty. It is. So we may be using them just around Earth yeah. first. But these are the things that could very easily lead to
0: interstellar travel Yeah. within our lifetime. That's pretty cool. Uh, we're
1: talking 20 years. Right now- it take a lot longer than that without this.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, we should follow up in 2015 on the. Uh, th- is that the Sunjammer?
1: Yeah, it, which is next year now because this is our um, our uh, New Year's Eve episode, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so actually. Nice. So we're already in 2014, or we're about to be, depending on when you're listening to this That's or right. when it comes out.
0: So in just a year or more, uh, the Sunjammer will be doing its thing. Yeah, we should do a follow up on it.
1: My money's on this one, maglev trains. Yeah, uh, people going without refrigerators. That's the future. Yeah, wiping your butt with
0: cloth. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> uh, you got anything else? I got nothing else. I, uh, I like this one. I think the solar sail is is literally the thing of the future. Yeah, I like it too, man. Yeah.
1: Um, you want to wish everybody a happy new year?
0: Happy New Year, everyone.
1: Happy New Year. And I'd also like to say a very happy birthday to my sweet wife. That's right. I always forget it's, uh,
0: what, what's the date? The 30th. 30th, okay. Yumi's birthday is the 30th. Uh, well, happy birthday, Yumi, and yeah. happy New Year's, everyone, and be safe. And uh, we
1: sail into the future. <laughs> if you want to know more about solar sailing, you can uh, type that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for a message break.
0: Stuff Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But... It's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States.
0: That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place.
1: Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you.
0: That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Now, Chuck, it's time for listener mail.
0: What am I going to call this? I'm going to call this from Roanoke, Virginia, just because that's easy. Death metal from Roanoke. Hey, guys, I was listening to... The episode, Why Does Music Provoke Emotion? Love that episode, by the way, because music has been such an integral part of my life and everything I do. And it also reminded me of an experience I had recently. Uh, metal music has always been my favorite genre.
1: Oh, I know this email. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: did you read it? Yeah. Uh, I guess I just really connect with it. Anyway, I recently decided to try out the black metal subgenre. I guess he previously was into light metal. Right. I, I just New that. metal? Yeah. Um, so I purchased Dark Thrones Transylvanian Hunger. <laughs> Put it in my car CD player and started driving. With the music, uh, when the music started, I got the strangest feeling. It reminded me of Christmas. While this seems <laughs> like the last reaction one would get from such a type of music, I think I figured it out. The music itself makes me think of icy, snowy winters, which I of course associate with the joy of snow around Christmas as a child. Between this and the relaxing, tremolo guitars that were carrying the music, the cool breeze that I felt through the car windows, and the pale moonlight, the whole experience made me feel a happiness that resembled the kind I usually get around Christmas time. Uh, I just found it really fascinating that something that I found so relaxing would probably make most listeners want to scream in a fashion not unlike the vocalist of most of these bands. Uh, it's so true that music can yield a different reaction from everyone. Right. Or <laughs> A.E.T. <laughs> Anyway, just thought you might find that interesting, and thanks for the great show. That is from Patrick uh, Hagar Hager in Roanoke, Virginia.
1: I think you have to say Hagar.
0: Well, I wanted to, but it's H A G E R, not A R. You should change his name to Hagar with a couple of umlauts. Yeah, that's like then you're listening to Transylvanian uh, Nightmare. What was it called? Yeah, I think that was right. Transylvanian Hunger uh which is manhattan transfer <laughs> no no that's the opposite of death metal i got you <laughs>
1: um if you want to let us know about some strange reaction you had to something we've discussed right
0: aside from drowsiness <laughs> right because yeah, we very put strange. a lot of people to sleep yeah i heard jesse thorne talking about the other day about what a backhanded compliment that is right. and how it always makes them feel bad doesn't bother me. No, and it was on Judge John Hodgman, and Hodgman was like, no, man, people are saying they're, in a very intimate moment, you are relaxing them into sleep. Right. And that's a compliment, so yeah. that's, that's how I choose to take it.
1: Hodgman, he's got such a great perspective on things. I know.
0: Jesse, come on, buddy. <laughs>
1: lighten up. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to tell Jesse to lighten up, or if you want to tell us about some weird reaction you've had, we want to hear about it, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash know. You can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com, and you can hang out with us at our home on the web, your gateway to the new year, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wooded.